Hello everyone, I am Paula Shade Anosier and you are welcome to another episode of the SNC podcast, a show helping people better understand the intriguing world of music, arts and entertainment through insightful conversations with African artists, creatives, lawyers, music and business executives. I hope everyone is safe and well. On this episode, we are talking about navigating Nollywood, behind-the-scenes film photography, treatment of film production crews in Nigeria, and growing as a film entrepreneur. Our guest is Chikuka Osakwe, an emerging Nigerian photographer, filmmaker, and director. Chukuka's filmmaking career started off as a unit photographer on movies such as New Money, The Setup, Who's the Boss, Omoghetto the Saga, and Shanty Town. He is also an assistant director and has worked in that capacity on movies including Day of Destiny, Superstar, and several Netflix yet to be released titles. In 2021, Chukuka made his directorial debut with his short film, A Day in September, and has since gone on to direct several videos, including music artist David B's special and JTEC's ad, which featured Dorothy Bacho. Chukuka is also the co-founder and creative director of Camrol Picture Studios, a visual production and photography business based in Lagos, Nigeria. Hello, Chukuka. Hola, <laughs> First of all, I want to say thank you so much for being here. Thank you because you are on set but of a movie, but you took out time from your busy schedule to be here. So I really just want to tell you that I appreciate it and thank you so much. So um, before we start off with the conversation and why you are here, I want to talk a bit about the conversation that we had when I called to say can I interview you? And I started off asking you that, what would you like me to address you as? Would you like me to address you as Chukuka or Chooks? And you said that you'd prefer Chukuka, right? Yes. Can yes. you explain? Because I, I love that. I, have a, I love that point. So I want to just, can you just explain the reason you gave as to why you prefer Chukuka? Uh, okay. So growing up, I mean, even to now, I'm a very shy kind of person right so when i was done with secondary school i wanted to evolve and change completely i wanted to be more of who i thought i should be at that time so i stopped bearing um chukuka and started bearing chooks because i mean that was the first step changing my name and then 10 years after i just realized that you know what every time people say chukuka they're actually um, praising god to say because my name means um god is great so every time you say Chukuka, you're saying God is great. So I just felt, you know what? I'll go back to people praising God. <laughs> no, and I, I loved it because I can totally, not, I can't relate Sha in the sense of, because I mean, my name is obviously Shade. And I think that when people call me Fala Shade, usually I'm in trouble. One person that I used to do that is my former boss, Mr. Babaiko. Every time you say Fala Shade, I'm like, oh Lord, what have I done now? <laughs> you know? But when you said that, I just thought it was so interesting because I don't know if you have observed as well. I have seen a lot of people now bearing their full names as opposed to, I think maybe as we get older, there's something about maybe people just realize that, oh, my name means something and I want to walk in the meaning of that name. Mm-hmm. Would, you, would you agree that that's what it is? 
Absolutely. It's a lot of um, maturing that happens. You get more authentic with yourself. I, I, I think it cuts across pretty much every, even our music industry, for instance. Years ago, it was just, um, we loved foreign music, but now we're getting to appreciate Africa more, sell Africa more, becoming more authentic. And I think that that's cutting across even in our personal lives. Yeah, yeah. And I think maybe that's why we see a lot of older people who get upset when you have um, either Nigerians that travel out of the country or maybe they were born in the diaspora who, quote-unquote, they funkify their names or mm. they, make, they make their names Western. And you see a lot of older people say, why are you doing that? Why are you taking away the essence of who you are? Mm. Why are you having to change the way your name is spelled or pronounced? If the, um, people in the West can pronounce Tchaikovsky, mm-hmm. they can pronounce Arnold Schwarzenegger, all these names, why do you have to be the one to say Fiola Shade, you know? <laughs> so I just wanted to talk about that. I, thought, I was like, oh, that's so, you know, that's so, it's such a, such a I guess it was just such, such a great conversation that we had yeah. before, you know? So thank you for, for sharing that insight. And um, when we were also speaking, you had mentioned that you moved to Lagos yes. to pursue your career in Hollywood, right? Yes. So can you talk about that? Um, so I grew up for the first 10 years in Delta State. And then we moved, because every time my parents moved, we obviously moved, and we moved to Benin City. Um, but I pretty much stayed the rest of my childhood in Benin before coming, moving to Lagos. I studied at the University of Benin. Um, I studied human physiology, but at, at the time I, I knew that there was no way I was going to do physiology. It was the nine to five-ness of the um, career that I just didn't like. So when I realized that, okay, this gift was there and I could, you know, turn into what it's becoming right now, I just opted for the option and Lagos was the best place. So. And when did you realize that you had a gift because your gift is photography and filmmaking? Let me start with photography. When did you realize that, that you know, oh, I think I have a gift with photography or taking pictures? It was probably around when I got into uni. So, okay, so I, just for a bit of backstory, I grew up in a family that pretty much appreciates um, freezing moments for memory, so to say. My mom loves pictures. My dad had a camera when we were growing up. So I, I was surrounded by that idea that you freeze moments you keep moments you know for the future and every occasion graduations birthdays everything was celebrated with pictures we would go to studios and take pictures so i think that was where the love started from i just got fascinated by everything the photographer was doing and usually when you go to the studio to take pictures then when you're done you get your pictures in a few minutes so you go to the waiting area and wait but I would follow the photographer to the editing room and sit with him. And it was just really fascinating how what we saw in the studio when he shot it and then the final picture that he gets to give to us. So I started to fall in love with magazines as well. Um, Internet was not really that big then. So that was the closest thing I could get in terms of reference to what good pictures should look like. So I'd um, immersed myself in magazines so when i go to the studio next time i'm able to give poses to my cousins my sisters and say okay do like this you know so when i got into school and i saw that man physiology was not going to be it i just told my folks that okay i think i want a camera and i wanted to start photography so it was that foundation from the family that led me to 
to this point. How do your parents take that news? I think your typical Nigerian parents are like, "Ew," or they're like, "Oh, that's great." I, I I don't really think my family is a typical Nigerian family. If I mean, it's not like we're any fancy. No, 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 no. Yeah. My folks, my parents are like my siblings. Oh. It's, yeah, it's like five children living in the house. Yeah, they're very open-minded, so to say. There's nothing I think any of us would want to do that they would not support. I remember when I wanted to get my camera and I sat my parents down and told them I wanted to get a camera to start photography. My father asked me, how much do you have? That's the only question he asked me. I didn't have any money, but I lied and said, well, I had XYZ amount of money. I said, okay, go back. When you have this certain amount, come back, I'll give you the rest. Then I started saving and then he added the rest and got my camera. So they were pretty much supportive. Even my mom would try to refer me to her friends for stuff. Something just always warms my heart. Because, you know, a lot of times the stories we hear as Nigerian parents are never supportive of things that their kids do. Or maybe they're not. Maybe maybe the word is not never supportive. They force their kids to do things because they're trying to keep up appearances or because maybe they don't want their kids to suffer, which yes. is understandable, right? Um, so, okay, so they got you the camera or you got the camera with the support of your parents. How did you now begin to hone your skills? Because having a camera is one thing. Um, developing that eye for photography, you know, is another thing entirely. Like I said earlier, um, magazines were mm-hmm. pretty much the first foundation, you know, so that already exposed me to what people were doing outside Nigeria. When I got into school and decided, okay, you know what, I'm going to do photography and I needed to practice with my camera, I was then faced with challenges. So... I couldn't take pictures on campus then because I don't know what it was. The security officials in my uni were not exposed enough, I think. They would arrest you for just holding a camera. I'd been arrested a couple of times. So I realized that, okay, if I wanted to learn, I needed to practice. But if I needed to practice, I would not be able to practice in school. And I was pretty much living in school, even on holidays. I had my accommodation in school, not school hostel, but like an accommodation. So even on holidays, I barely went home i was mostly in school so this is where i live and i cannot practice photography around here i needed a solution so um, i knew that if i went by myself to get to the authorities to get permission it would be harder but if we went as a body it would be easier so i founded a photography club um, then and then we were able to go through the school and practice photography all the years spent in school i pretty much used in developing the basics of my photography skill i don't want to rant and i hate it because this show is about you but i just say sometimes eh, people in positions of power in this country mm-hmm. it'd be like say i don't even know i don't know like what is it that there's there's always this restriction yep. this oppression that's always you know i don't know what it is i just don't know anywho um <laughs> i'm glad i'm able to to um to find that you know growth now you have been obviously been taking pictures for seven years mm-hmm. and you've you know worked on 11 films right way but, more now way more right yeah <laughs> obviously yeah but what was it about movies that made you say i want to be an on-set photographer or a unit photographer because you could have done commercial photography but you know you said that this is the ni- the niche rather that you know i want to focus on can you, so can you speak about what was it about movies that made you say this is where i want to you know build a career in okay so i mean like you probably already know uh, anybody who who see my profile anyway i'm a storyteller so i'll have to start telling you a story when I was leaving uni, I had a friend who was returning to Nigeria from the UK. He wanted to not start music. He was doing music already in the UK, but he wanted to bring music, his music to Nigeria. 
And so at that time, I was pretty much helping him with things that a manager would do, even though I was not officially his manager. When he was ready to structure that path, he was then looking for a manager. And then I applied and I started managing him. Um, he had a friend in the UK as well who was now in Nigeria and was successful in Nollywood. She was being managed by this lady. I, I, I can't mention names, right? Isioma Osaji. Um, and he just thought that she was brilliant and he liked how she was structured and as she had a system and how she managed the artists that she had. And he felt like that would have been or that would be a good place for me to learn management. Because I mean, I was honest that I'd never managed anybody before. So I was pretty much learning on the job. So I sent her a mail and she responded, sent me her number and then communication started. Around the same time, she was employing for her company. She was expanding and needed um, talent assistance. So I applied, went through the phases of the interview and then got the job. So my first um, day at work, I was to go with one of the actors to set. So that was my first encounter to anything film. Of course, I wasn't going there as a filmmaker. I was going there as a talent assistant, trying to be a manager. So the next day, or that night pretty much, he told me to send a couple of um, my work. Because someone in my CV had written that, I mean, I ran a photography club and, you know, I was a photographer. So she wanted to see some of the pictures I'd taken. I didn't have a style. I, I, don't, I didn't have a niche. I was pretty much shooting every and anything. So I just sent a bunch of pictures to her. And I don't know what she saw, but something in those pictures she saw made her think that I could do BTS photography. And then she told me that, okay, she, they were currently in um, pre-production for a film, New Money. And she thought I should be the BTS photographer. I didn't know what BTS photography was. So I <laughs> went online, Googled what it was, and at the same time, around that time, right, that was when Wedding Party, I think, had just come out. The pictures did something to me that I don't know. I don't know if everybody experienced the same thing. But when I saw the pictures from Wedding Party, the behind the scenes pictures, it made me want to see the film. And I just thought that was powerful. My first contact with the film already makes me want to see it. So I took screenshots of um, some of the BTS from Wedding Party and sent to her. And I asked, oh, is this what you want me to do? She said, exactly. So I went to set and pretty much said, hold my beer, <laughs> you know, and yeah, I, I did that. But of course, obviously, my first BTS film was not as good as it would be now. Of course. But the more experience I had on set, the more it got better. I think that's so powerful what you said about how, you know, you seen the behind the scenes pictures of Wedding Party that made you want to see the movie. I think sometimes it's interesting how we may just overlook certain things, but, you know, everything makes you, it's like a, it's like a symphony everything's working together mm -hmm. to create the final product, right? Now, you wrote an article last year titled How Filmmaking Influenced My Photography. And when I read it, one of the things that I love the most is that beyond just the article helping me to understand photo storytelling a bit more, I think as someone who's a, I would say, photography enthusiast, it just made me understand that there are certain things that you need to know that can help you become a better photographer, even though you don't say you're an expert, you know? So can you talk about why you chose to write that article or what influenced you to write that article? So again, back to my bio, right? I, I always write something in my bio that says, um, I'm passionate about people, um, growth and personal development. So it's beyond myself. If I learn something, I'm always excited to share with anybody that 
he's willing to listen. And at the time, that was like a Eureka moment. I had just found out that some of these things that I see on set, I could actually infuse them in my photography. I'm very, I learned from observation and it helps that I'm a photographer. You're literally the fly on the wall. So you see everything that is happening on set. You see more than most people would see because you're literally everywhere. So it helps me or it helped me then um, to understand what the director was doing, what the DP was doing and the synergy that both um, departments had. Short sizes, I realized that, oh, if they were going to show a character who was in a vulnerable state, they would use a very wide shot. And if they wanted to maybe help you connect more with the character's emotions, they would use a very tight close-up. It's not motion. I can't put motion in my pictures, but I can use the same tools. So if I frame a subject at one small corner of the frame and there's all this massive space, depending on what the character, how the character looks, what the character is doing, you can sense that this character is in a certain, you know, vulnerable state. If I shoot you and it's on really tight close-up, say a child has a dramatic eye or something, you see all of that because the camera is focused on just where it wants you to see, which is just the face, the emotions. You know, so I started to watch a lot of YouTube videos. I learned a lot from YouTube, so I watched a lot of YouTube videos and it was just so fascinating how much of the tools that filmmakers um, had at their disposal to tell their stories. And I just felt like it's pretty much the same thing because film is animated photographs. Um, photographs only just tell you what's happening in that exact moment. You're freezing that moment. But for film, it is several of those that come together in motion and, and then forms the animated um, motion picture that you watch and enjoy. Um, so it was a eureka moment for me and I felt like people should hear and know about this thing. So I wrote the articles to help as many people, you know, to tell better photo stories. And I just feel like if I'm going to do this BTS thing, the more, because it's a pretty new niche in Hollywood. So if I get information that is helping my photography, it will be way better if tons of photographers have the same information and then there's healthy competition. It's not as interesting right now because there are not many people who associate as BTS photographers. We have photographers, producers to call any photographer to shoot on a film set. But it's different when you see an actual filmmaker photographer photograph on a film set. So if I have this information, I wanted many more photographers to ju not just come in because they're photographers, but come in to be filmmaker photographers so that they can infuse the same tools and then we can actually have healthy competition which would grow this niche of Nollywood. No, even as a non-on-set photographer, it helped me and I saved the article because I'm like, you know, now when I'm trying to take pictures, the way I approach it from reading your article, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, this, a wide shot would be better. So seriously, it's like, it was such a, I had, you know, it's such a, such a really great article. One of the things you had mentioned was about, we don't have a lot of photographers in the behind the scenes, um, sector why do you think that is like is it that a lot of people just is it that maybe because they feel like it doesn't bring a lot of money or people want to be i don't know what's the, what's the reason um so i i think the one of the many reasons why we don't have a lot of bts photographers yet is awareness um, i think we don't know and it's beyond the photographers now i'm talking from the production level i think we don't know the value of BTS photography, which is why a producer would call any random photographer to shoot behind the scenes, right? This is technique and style and process to shooting behind the scenes that a random photographer who is good at their job can come and get you great pictures, but 
these details and storytelling that um, a BTS photographer would actually bring is way different from what an irregular ordinary photographer would bring to the table. So first, awareness, definitely. I think that's the first reason. And then it's not, right now, it's not as lucrative because when there's no value, if they don't, if the producers don't see the value in um, having a photographer on set, they're not going to pay you as much. Um, I don't think there are many photographers on, on any film sets who earn a lot of money. There are few, you know, but not a lot because they don't see the value yet. And I can't even begin to dive into the importance of behind the scenes. Like it's it's everything. I feel like the success of a film lies at, to a great extent lies in the hands of the pictures that the onset photographer is going to get because that's the first contact between the audience and the film. It's what they see, and what that does for you is it opens your production up to investors. Any of the VOD platforms could see your behind-the-scenes pictures and say, oh, this is good quality because they can sense and see the production value just from the steals. And conversations could start off because they saw a great picture of um, your film set. Um, so these are some of the reasons why I think it, we don't have a lot of photographers yet doing it. Awareness, and then it's not very lucrative right now. Because you had mentioned that one of the first contacts that the public would have with the film would be the stills. But because I'm thinking that my first contact sometimes, a lot of times, is always the trailer as opposed to the stills. So is that why maybe some producers don't think that behind the scenes photographers are important because for them they are more focused on the trailer that is what people are focused on i mean i can't you can't take away the importance of a film trailer right a film trailer will do what a film trailer would do but the trailer would literally be played for one minute and and that's it but these pictures are there like you don't need a lot of data to view a picture right you literally can even make screenshots you could those pictures could even serve as references to other productions, you know. So aside the trailer being one minute and short and you see it and that's it, um, you don't have to post the trailer more than once. But with behind the scenes, you are constantly informing the, the audience of the product that you have that you're about to bring to the market for a long period of time. If your marketing is going to take two months, you're not going to have... 12 trailers that are going to be dropping. You have one trailer to drop. What happens between when you drop the trailer and when the film comes out? That's where we come in. The content we create is what we use for marketing through when you first announce the project to when the project is released. And even after the project is released, years after the project is released, you can still use those pictures to sell the film. But you're not going to repost the trailer five years after. It's not the same if, uh, impact or effect. But the pictures are still fresh because if you employ a photographer who knows bts and what he's doing he creates content for pre for um, um pre-release release and post-release so when the film is done people have watched the film they have an idea they will then now have new questions questions like oh how was this scene shot was it a green screen um what were the challenges so all of this can be told all of these stories can be told with behind the scenes both pictures and videos but you can Tell all of that story in one frame. You're seeing that it's a green screen. You're seeing where the camera was placed. You're seeing where the actor was sat or where the actor was standing. So all of that information you can't tell with a trailer. So I think it all comes down to um, awareness and information. If they know the value, it would be taken way more seriously than it is right now. 
I think that's such a very great point that you made. I hadn't really thought about it because, again, like you said, which is so, I don't know, my mind is like, ah, yeah, that's true. Because you really are focused on the trailer. But in between the trailer and the release of the movie, mm-hmm. you can't keep on releasing the trailer every single, every, you know, every single day. So that's such a very interesting point that I had not even considered. Thank you for sharing that, that lovely insight because, yeah, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. And again, hopefully, you know, um, as the industry continues to grow, people behind the scenes, photographer, photography becomes a mainstay. People see the value of what it can do to their movies. And more importantly, people get compensated appropriately. They are paid their work. To your skill as a photographer, one of the challenges that photographers have is the issue of copyright. When you take a picture of someone or something, a lot of people may not know that. the cop- Once a photographer takes a picture of something or someone, the copyrights rest with that photographer unless maybe there's a contract of service between the photographer and the client. How have you gone about navigating that challenge? I mean, I know you're working on set. That's work for hire. So obviously the the copyrights would be would, would be the on the owner of the film would be the owner of the copyright. But when you do non BTS work, how do you go about dealing with that issue? So to be honest, I I've never had to encounter that sort of challenge. Um maybe because I've not done work for a certain class of people, I guess. Um I shoot everyday people. So they're not going to worry about um how the picture is used, I think. I, I mean not I've not experienced it yet. So I cannot really say much on that because it's, it's not my challenge right now. Okay, that's a fair point, yeah. But hopefully, you know, you don't encounter that challenge. And if you do... <laughs> I will get information now yeah, about it. Yeah, make sure you have a contract of service, you know. Because I remember when I took pictures... Shout out to Kwedi Dakwasalami. When he took my pictures in 2014 for my website, um, I think I was kind of moving mad a little bit. And he was like, um, when is Shade? The, the copyright is my own. Like, why are you, you know? So it was such a such a learning. And I'm not saying that, you know, I wanted to have the copyright. He was just making a point and making me understand that he owns the copyright. What was your issue? My issue was like, I was like, I don't want you to release them before... You do. I do. Okay. Um, I mean, We came to and I, obviously, he, he understood what I was saying. But I think that was also a teaching moment for me to, because at that time I was, I was, um, I was still in law school. So I was, I don't know why I hadn't, I just, it just didn't register in my brain that, you know, the photographer owns the copyright. But that experience for me just made it say that, made me understand that photographers need to have a contract of service because we didn't sign one. But even, even if you don't sign one, it's still your own copyright, you know? Yeah. Moving on to your career in Nollywood, like you talked about how, Working with Isioma gave you um, experience because it's interesting. You started working with Isioma because you wanted to be a talent manager for a music artist. What happened to Emmy? What happened? To, <laughs> what happened to that person? So to be honest, um, apology to David B. <laughs> That's the artist's name. Yeah. I just knew that it wasn't for me. In many ways, my personality first of all doesn't match the industry. Um, music industry is tough. There's a lot of late night, there's a lot of partying because you need to network with people, you know. Um, it didn't match my personality. I didn't quite know the job, to be honest. I mean, I thought I'd researched, I'd read, but 
music management is way deeper. It's not you need to have knowledge of many aspects of business generally, law, the legal aspect, financial aspects. You know, it was a lot that I don't think I admitted early enough to myself that I couldn't do it. And I know this is funny to say it's come from someone like me who is big on personal development right there's, i don't think there's anything you cannot learn if i wanted to code today i feel like i can learn how to code and then code right but i think you just know where your strengths lie and it didn't lie in music so it was a tough conversation but we eventually had it we didn't have it when we parted ways but we eventually had the conversation as someone who used to work in the music industry i can tell i told you are spot on it doesn't fit everybody's personality personality or personalities you have to know your strengths and there's um there's strength in admitting that this is not for me there's no point beating a dead horse like why are we doing that because you end up you end up being upset you end up frustrating the client client, the talent you're trying to manage like you know so there's just no point in trying to do all of that now you have been in the film industry for five five years years now yeah Five, five years and counting has it been all you expected or you're still discovering (laughs) I think I'm still discovering. I, I didn't quite have an expectation when I came in. I, I stumbled on it. You know, if not um, for Ishima Saji who saw something in the regular small bini boy and gave him an opportunity, I would not have known anything about Nollywood. In fact, to be honest, I was one of those people who would trash Nollywood then, you know. Um, so I didn't come in with any expectation. I just wanted to work and do a good job. And as I advanced in my career, I started to you know, find out certain things. And it's now that I might have an opinion about Nollywood, but I came in with open hearts to just walk and learn. No, that's 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 great. And speaking of trashing Nollywood, you know, I think for an industry like Nollywood that is still growing and people are trying to make an industry despite all the odds, it's, I understand when people get upset when people, quote-unquote, trash Nollywood or give their feedback or criticism. As Miss the famous Miss Erica Badu said, I'm an artist. I'm sensitive about my shit, so I get it. But when you take a step back and you look at the criticism that or criticisms that people have, some of them including that a lot of movies in Nollywood nowadays are more about glossy pictures and the storytelling is sorely lacking what do you say about that what are your thoughts about that rather Hmm. i i I don't know if i feel like nollywood in terms of the arts itself is in a good place i feel like we're still growing um just like any industry i feel like we're still the same way I, i mentioned earlier that it got to a point where you, know, you get to discover yourself and then become more authentic and choose to bear your full name. It's pretty similar to the same thing with Nollywood. I feel like Nollywood is getting to the point where we would fully embrace our story and our authenticity. I'm already doing that. All of, all the projects I've worked on in the last two years, I have been authentically like Nigerian. So I think we have our stories on lockdown. I think we have our pictures on lockdown. Um, however, there are definitely challenges that would show forth in the pictures when when the film comes out that the audience would then see and then criticize um yes some of these mistakes are i mean we can avoid them but i'll give uh but is it is it really is it really a mistake if movie doesn't have storyline 
I mean, that's like, like <laughs> I don't think that mistake is maybe when you see a cut a a scene that's not is not you know it's not properly placed. But if they're just doing like, how is that mistake? I, I mean, I, there is. I don't think any writer would write something that doesn't have a storyline. So when a film is made, it's made probably three times when you write it, when you shoot it, and then when you edit it. Right, so that's like three different times you make one film. So the writer could write something, and that whatever the writer writes could have all the storyline that is required. We get to shoot, and uh, there are challenges with certain scenes, maybe um, actors' chemistry or locations didn't fit the character, or the costumes didn't work, or something. Something might something might just go wrong that would then change the trajectory of that story in a way. And then we get to edit; it's an, a different ball game entirely. So I. It's, I don't know if it's solely a story problem from like the, from the script itself. So I feel like when it goes through all of these processes, some of these changes might tweak a few things in the story. It might take away, it might add, you know. I love you. You're definitely an Hollywood person because, you know, you're a very diplomatic answer. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and still sticking on, you know, sticking with Nollywood. What about the comments or observation that people have nowadays that... Nollywood has so many influencers and people that are famous who don't have any acting talent and they're taking away, quote-unquote, taking away opportunities from people that actually have the talent. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that one? I'm going to play devil's advocate. <laughs> so I, I, I think it's a 50-50 thing. I feel like whilst actors should be given all the respect and credit for the work that they do, we cannot also take away um from the influencers who so to say stumbled on the career because i feel like those guys as well put in the work right i would use maybe a name that we probably won't know mr macaroni for instance he started off being a social media influencer and did his thing online and now he's in movies and i do not think you can take you you can't strip him off his gifts like no he's talented yes exactly he's very talented right so it's not a fair thing to say that and the influencers are coming in to sort of wash down what the actors are doing right to be fair i said i said influencers that can't act (laughs) i didn't say him well so there's there's the marketing side okay i get that there's marketing side as well um it's okay to have actors who can act but there's something else that any producer would look for in an actor, and that's marketing power. So if we have a face that people want to see, and the director thinks he can coach them well enough to deliver, why not? Unfortunately, you might get on set, and that might not come out the way you expect, but you are still getting something out of it, which is the marketing power that the person has. So it's a 50-50 thing. No, and I I think... And I make that comment uh, or I share that, I guess, criticism from people because I don't think it's a Nollywood thing. I think it's I think if you it seems like it's a global observation, even in the States and elsewhere. I'm sure you heard about Jennifer Anston, the criticism that she received when she said that she feels like people that are popular on TikTok or YouTube are diluting the actor's job. Mm. So I don't necessarily think that it's, it's specific to Nollywood. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying that these people dilute the actor's job. But I'm just saying it's an observation that people who have been in the industry for a long time are saying that ah, it seems like all these people again that can't act. Mm. 
<laughs> you know, are taking away opportunities from people that can actually act. But your point is valid. You know, these people that you say cannot act, they bring the market inside. So if you see that, you know, Chukuka who cannot act is uh, <laughs> what they do, but you're like, ah, okay, let me go and watch it, right? But eventually, eventually, Chukuka will act and act good. Do you understand? No, no not the Chukuka, but like... No, oh, God, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but will he though? Will he though? Yeah, so I, I'm not going to mention this person's name because it will be funny to them, but I know of an actor that is so hugely celebrated right now. And when this guy started farm, it wasn't pleasant to watch. So if you get an influencer who's popular and then you put them in a film, I, f- I feel like the way the industry is, is structured, you can't be in Hollywood for three, four, five years and the industry will not grow on you. So if you're an actor and you come in as an influencer and you spend a couple of years, after a while, you would, you've worked with several directors. They're like your guides and teachers and coaches. So over the years, they would influence you in a way and that um, influencer who could not act would then become you know but i think that that also that also is contingent on the influencer or person who is popular wanting to learn and grow some people just want to be in it for you know exactly for the glamour for the entertainment value they're not really trying to grow their career so that's a very fair point that you made and that's and that's really true because i'm trying to act as well and people are not giving me opportunities because they feel like maybe my acting is whack i don't think it's whack (laughs) so again Again, this goes back to the social media influencers, uh, right? Of course, yeah. They use those platforms. If nobody else gives them an opportunity to go to the big films, to go to the big screen, rather, they use the platform that they had. They had TikTok, they had Instagram. They made videos on these platforms and showcased their talent. No, yeah, because I, I auditioned for something and the person that I go back to me and I'm like, ah, at least you could have just told me that Shade wasn't good. Like, you know. again, I do, I, I must say this, I actually do think I can act. I just need someone to give me a chance. Maybe you can, maybe in your next movie, you, maybe. <laughs> you cast me. Maybe, just maybe. Like, just maybe. Yeah, just maybe. All right. So a few weeks ago, you had tweeted about your experience with production houses in Nigeria. And the need for a system that protects the interests of the crew. Mm. What was going on? What prompted that tweet? Can you share more? Uh, share more light. Okay. Very sensitive topic. Sensitive, Papa. Anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, at that time, I, I was, I'm still dragging for my balance, basically. Um, I shot on, not me personally, but my company had shot a, for a production that had, is two months now. They wrapped two months ago and we've not gotten our balance and the producer or EP writer is just quiet. I just feel like it's very disrespectful um, because we know that this industry is still growing. So we don't get paid like some ridiculous amount of money that would really sustain us for a very long time. So many of us live from job to job, right? So if you hold people's money back for that long, two months after the hard work that they've done for however long that we were on set for, I think it's just very unfair. It, Like I said, it's almost wickedness at this point, you know? And it's because I don't think they respect crew because I don't think this would be done to any actor. I don't think any actor would go on a film set, finish, and two months after they've not been paid. I don't think we'll bring crew from outside Nigeria and not pay them two months after. And what's even more most disrespectful is the fact that there is no communication. You know, Nigerians are lovely people, but film crew people are exceptionally beautiful people. We're very understanding. 
we're so passionate about the f- filmmaking that if a producer came to us and said, hey, um, we are running low on funds, we're going to get funds in another two weeks or one month, please just bear with us. I believe there is no crew in Nigeria that would not understand. They would wait and they would understand and be very patient. But the fact that a producer can just be quiet is extremely disrespectful. I don't know, Chukuka. Like I said, I, mean, I, hate, I, I hate to rant. And I think one of the things that a lot of us have to learn is the art of communication. Mm-hmm. You cannot kill. I can't kill you if you don't have my money. But how you communicate that to me is the difference between me getting upset and me, like you said, understanding that, okay, we don't have enough funds right now. Like, you know, when we get it, we'll get, you know, but this radio site, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. We just, the way we treat each other, it just, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's my psychology background and just observing people. Like you, you said you love to observe people as well, but there's just this thing with us that, we just treat people like trash, particularly when we feel like they can't offer us anything. Mm-hmm. But if it is someone that we think is important and famous, we would be rolling on the floor as if, as if you know, you're having a deliverance session. It's such a weird thing. Yep. But I want to go through some of your the solutions that you proffered because the beautiful thing is that you just didn't complain about, you know, the situation you talked about the solutions and i want to ask you if you feel like the solutions will actually work so some of the solutions that you proffered were you said start here read negotiate terms of contract sign contract before work commences you also said contracts must state the date 60 percent is to be paid and the dates that the balance will be paid you said contracts must state the exact start and end date of shoot. You said not weeks. <laughs> you said the crew of some departments across the industry must be transparent with one another. Know what your counterpart earns. Whether that one is going to work, we'll get to that point, you know. Know what your counterpart earns. You just said there should be a reasonable fee for every department and no one should earn less than said base fee. I cannot understand why we shoot with foreign crew and I can promise you they get the most professional treatment. So these solutions are great. Do you think it's actually going to work? Because, you know, we have a culture of everybody wants to hide. You you don't want to share what you have learned. Because if I share, then somehow Chukuka is going to become bigger than me and will be tied the universe for that to happen because I must be bigger than him. (laughs) So yeah, talk about that. So to be fair, right, that was an uh, it was an emotional tweet, <laughs> um, and I couldn't delete it after because I mean it has been retweeted and all of that, right? I don't know for sure if everybody knowing what everybody is paid is actually a good move. However, everything I said, I stand firmly by um, because I have cases where production is ending and. People have not signed, they've not given any contract to sign. People have not been paid 50% and the production is about to end. There are cases where there's going to be an extension and nobody has communicated. I mean, we know there's going to be an extension. It's not even a secret. We can see the shed. We've not shot a couple of things. But just the decency to come and ask, to come and tell the crew that, okay, there might be an extension. Can we have a conversation, right? People just, some of these producers just expect that, 
I mean, we're doing you a favor. This film is going to go on big platforms. So however we treat you is fine. So the way to protect yourself, I feel like, is going the legal route. If you are negotiating for a certain fee, say your fee is 10 naira, and you know that to get a lawyer to read your contract for you and talk to the production house's um, lawyer as well will cost 5 naira, you should charge 15 naira. Do you get so that way it's not like you are taking money off your pay to sort a lawyer out you've added it into your fee and then you can be protected and you have the right to say if the dates agree because if this because these days you get contract that says you're going on set for 10 weeks what is 10 weeks when does 10 weeks start when does 10 weeks end because what they could then do is or to make it worse they won't say 10 weeks they probably tell you 45 days so which means if they don't shoot for three days straight, they're not counting those three days. They will calculate the days that they, they shot for. And then that keeps you longer, which means you can't do other jobs and we earn from job to job. So if you're time me for more than the time you agreed on, then you should pay me for that time. So if we have legal backings, we'll be able to work out or even sue if needs be. But I just feel like treat everybody the same way the respect you give to actors give it to crew the respect you give to foreign crew give it to local crew it may have been an emotional tweet but it was your truth yes i feel like that's one thing that i don't like when we in nigeria in particular someone says what is true and we say kill and shit like shut up <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean yeah. like the, obviously there's a place the time and place for discourse but um sometimes Putting it out there is the way that the message gets sent. You know, it's kind of like, you know, music producers kind of saying that, you know, they need to have an association. I mean, music producers, they're having to, wanting to have an association because they don't want to be cheated and all these different things. And a lot of them now are understanding or understand the importance of lawyers, you know. And to the point about foreign crew, I don't know. I think what I'm going to do is that all the guests that I interview, people are going to come into my WhatsApp group. We're going to be fasting and praying for Nigeria. <laughs> I will join. You will join. Yes. Because I don't understand what it says Chukuka. Like, okay, if we say that it's not, it's not, if it's not a demonic problem, what could be the problem? Greed. Greed. Selfishness. Well, that selfishness, we say, wait, we say greed, right? But we know that that greed doesn't apply to foreign people. That greed only applies to ourselves. Yep. So why are we confused when we see how Nigerians are treated outside the country? Because foreigners have seen how you treat your brother and sister. And they say that, oh, clearly these people think that it's okay to be treated like trash. So when we go outside, we treat you like trash. And you that you think that you're bigger than people, you are going to also be treated like trash. Mm-hmm. So it's such a very weird I don't know, concept that people think that, oh, it's okay for me to treat my Nigerians, brothers and sisters or employees or whatever it is as rubbish. And then you're surprised when people are maltreating us outside. Like, what were you expecting? It doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't add up. It doesn't, it doesn't add up. Go add up. <laughs> you know? All right. On a more positive note, let's talk about camera pictures because you had already kind of alluded to in the beginning of the conversation the importance of behind the scenes photography. So talk to us about what camera pictures is and, you know, what you're trying to do with that. Um, so similar to how um, it was in uni with the club that I founded, 
it was to bring all the photographers and enthusiasts alike in one place and then we grow together. Now, BTS is really new in Nigeria. And if I advance my skill to a certain level just by myself and I'm the number one BTS guy in the world or whatever, it doesn't do much for Nollywood because if there are four projects running at the same time, I can't be in all four productions. So what I'm trying to do with Camero is all of these things that I think I've learned and I'm still learning, pull as many other people, show them what BTS could be. Let's all be excellent and then spread that excellence across all the productions that could possibly go in at a certain time so that the content we push out for films that we market would all be top-notch. And that's where the healthy competition starts from. And when there's healthy competition, of course, growth is inevitable. That That's fantastic. I, I'm really looking forward to all you're going to be doing with um, camera pictures. And it's interesting that you say that, you know, BTS photography is really still starting in Nigeria. It's such a, you would think that that's actually like has taken off, but it really hasn't, you know? So more power to all that you're going to do with your company and making sure that the ecosystem continues to grow and empowering more people to, you know, come on board. I also want to just say that it's really great because I love when I see Nigerians show other Nigerians that there are more than one there's more, not there are, there is more than one way to get a, get your foot into the industry. You don't have to be an actor. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a producer. You don't have to be the sound design person. If your love is photography, you can actually pursue, you know, so it's always, because I feel like sometimes you get pigeonholed into one thing and it doesn't have to be that way. And another great benefit, I mean, personally, that photography has um, helped, has done for me is help me in my past of being a director. So when you are a photographer, you it's sort of like a limited, so to say, because with film, you have motion. You can block your actors. They move around the scene. You move your cameras. All these things help the story um, come to life, right? But with pictures, all you have to do is tell, all you're doing right is tell all that story in one image, right? So it's, it's in a way limiting, but it helps you with the creativity side because now you know that you have just one frame. So where you put your subject is now important. How many of the set design are you going to show in that picture? Um, what's important at this point? Is it the actor's face or is it the whole scene? So that foundation and then now getting to directing, you can you can tell in a way when you see the frames in um, the short films I've done, there are certain frames that you know that are, nah, this person has an eye for this thing. And the foundation came from photography. And what are some of the short films that you have? Um, the short films that you have. Um, sh- yes. Yeah. Talk about that, please. So my first short film was, um, or is a date September. Um, I shot that last year, and I will be releasing it. This first time I'm saying this. Yay! But, um, I love exclusives. <laughs> I'll be releasing it on my birthday, September nine. Ah, happy birthday in advance. Yes, thank you. Um, the other short film I have done was for a different production house. wasn't from my own company. Um, boot up, boot up screen in Ghana a couple of weeks ago, and the screening has opened extra doors for us right now. Congratulations! So that will be out in October. So one in September, one in October. You can watch a uh, day September on YouTube on Camero's page, and you um boot up on Vimo. But we'll get all that information out when it's time. Okay, that's great. Now, before we head on to the fun random questions, what changes overall do you hope to see in the Nigerian film industry? And maybe maybe even by extension, 
the African film industry, maybe in the next, let's say, five to ten years? I mean, I'm, so because I'm very passionate about crew, I would say that crew members need to get more information and then develop themselves because there's a level of value you know you're bringing to your projects that you would not accept certain things. And I feel like even the production houses would treat you differently if you brought a certain level of value. If they think, for instance, I don't think even a Nigerian crew who is a director, for instance, would be would get the same treatment a BTS person would get because he's a director and I think you're bringing a certain level of value. So in whatever craft you're doing, if you're a props master, if you're a BTS person, if you're even a production assistant, the way you deliver your job, the value you bring would determine how you'll be received and treated. So I think that that's an important part. We need to focus on ourselves and develop ourselves. We need to get legal backings, like I said earlier. That's very important. Get your lawyers. Yes, get your lawyers. Pay your lawyers. We also um, need to pay crew members more generally because I feel like this is the impact of paying crew members. Well, when you pay crew members well, they can invest in themselves go to film schools, go for film festivals, take courses, and bring more value to you. If they can't afford these things, they will pretty much be stuck on whatever level they're at and depend on learning on the job. And if I learn on the job, there's a lot of mistakes that will happen on production that could have been avoided if these guys had the finance to fund education for themselves. If you pay these people well, there are certain costs, even this is a bit extreme, but there are certain costs on, on that come up during production that some of these crew members would willingly just take on. It could be within their department rather than run to production for every single penny. If they could afford it, they'll sort it out. So if the crew are happy, they're bringing way more value to the production than you can even imagine. If my initial agreement states a certain amount that I think is really good and you have an extension of four, five days and you're like, okay, there's no extra money. Please do this for us because I'm already happy with my original pay. I don't mind doing extra five days for you. But if you've chopped my fee to almost nothing and you have an extension, I'm first of all, and then I wasn't treated well. I'm first of all not going to want to do that ex- extension. And if I do the extension, I'm going to have to renegotiate and I want to get, you're going to spend more basically. So I feel like those are the ways um, the industry can be a bit better. Just treat people better. Feed crew. When you give your crew good accommodation and good feeding, you've solved half of your problems. Because even if there is no money, for instance, maybe an investor has bailed on you or whatnot, but the crew, they're happy. Accommodation is great. Feeding is great. These are things that would make them cushion the other things that might, the production might throw at them because they're happy and they're comfortable. No, those are those are good insights, but just a couple of things. You know, first, I just remember that I've seen a couple of people talk about this issue about treatment of crew, and how some of them have even said, "I don't want to even promote the movie because the way they treated me was trash." That's one the first thing, and then two, I do feel like I don't necessarily like how we tell Nigerians to always. <laughs> how do I explain this? Undo. Soft, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. But we don't tell that to other people that are non-Nigerians. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, you, you can't go and tell a non-Nigerian, let me just use, for example, American, um, be, and say, oh, okay. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you can use American, but I'm just saying non-Nigerian, for example. You can't tell them that, oh, we're going to go over by five days. Oh, yeah. Sorry, oh, you can't be paid 
please drink water and take it easy. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I feel I feel like we're made to we always tell Nigerians to endure suffering. You get it? And I don't like that. Like mm. suffering is not anyone's destiny. And I feel like we glorify suffering in this country so much. So people should be paid what they deserve. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Um and it should not be and I do your point is valid though, but I feel like sometimes people take advantage of that mm. and say oh you know uh, just use this one hold your body small you know go and help us you know you know i don't, I don't like that, that. Ex- ex- in return for exposure exactly for exposure you know or you just don't want to do the right thing you know so but those are very i, I don't want to color <laughs> the great insights that you have you, you shared so the, those are those are great all right cool so we are going to go on to the fun random questions segment are you ready Yes, I think so. <laughs> First question is, what is your favorite camera to use? Hmm. I don't know if I have a favorite camera, but I know that I love Canon because of um, the kind of colors I get from Canon. Okay, that's good. Canon should come and support this podcast. Uh, <laughs> second question is, what are two tips that you would give to someone looking to become a professional photographer? I would say practice. I mean, for every any and everything you want to do, the only way to get better is to practice it over and over and over again. You know, so one would um, practice a lot and read. Information is key. Um, shout out to Isimo Saji. <laughs> I, I mean, she played a huge role in everything in my career. So she introduced me to reading, basically. You can't understudy her or work with her and not be a big reader. So I read a lot, but I'm, I'm not really big on reading like actual books. So I do audio and then YouTube. So if you can't read, go on YouTube, watch videos, but you have to keep learning and you have to keep practicing. That's awesome. And yeah, I interviewed DJ Kaiman. He also mentioned how awesome, how awesome Isyama is. So yes. you know, it sounds like a really amazing She's a rock person. Star. Rock star. <laughs> That's awesome. She's a rock star. Third question is name four songs that are on repeat on your playlist. Uh, I know this is going to come as a shocker. I'm not a music person. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's so weird because I was trying to manage a music artist because see where it didn't work out, right? No, Are you serious? Yeah, I mean, I do gospel um, and I like Ijola Balaba. I, I, I think Crayon. So maybe that and Maverick City. Oh, Maverick City? Yeah, Maverick City. Yeah. Okay, so crayon and that. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, not... I'm, I'm horrible. Music. Are you I mean, serious? I'm a but, film guy. But you listen to gospel music now. Yes. Hey, but that's something. How can I say I'm not a music person? So is it that like you're not a secular music person? But yeah, but just in general. No, so I I don't separate secular and not secular. I just enjoy. If I enjoy the music, I enjoy it. Like. Non so bassy, for instance, probably not popularly very known, but and he had this song 411. I love that song so much, you know, and it's not gospel, it's about love. David B, obviously, he writes the most brilliant love songs, you know, songs that it's they're so poetic, you know. The artists that I just listen to their songs because of the meaning. So I think I'm more of a meaning kind of person yeah okay that's no that's fair that's fair fourth question is as mr movie guy what was the last movie that you watched and what did you enjoy about it um so i would say 13 lives it was a, an emotional roller coaster i loved how 
um, the director played with our emotions. You would, I feel like he was very conscious of what he thought the audience was going to expect. And every time you're expecting something to happen, he doesn't let that thing happen. So he just takes you on this very weird emotional journey. Final question, Chikuka. What are two things that people do not know about you? Maybe that I cut my hair every two days <laughs> because I'm bald. <laughs> second question. I mean, second interesting fact about you. I love kitchen sinks. I'm obsessed with kitchen sinks. I can stay in the kitchen just washing the sink or washing dishes. I just love being in that space. I'm not sure why. Yeah, that's <laughs> weird. Very weird. No, but that's really it. Yeah, it's not like the, it's just interesting. You, you know? know, you know how people use the toilet to think and stuff. I use the kitchen sink for that. Wow, that's really interesting. Well, thank, I love that. Thank you for sharing those two interesting... Because those are definitely interesting things that people don't know about you. That's awesome. Now, as we wrap it up, Chukuka, any final words of wisdom that you'd like to share? Um, I would just say, I mean, for anybody... I'm not anywhere yet, but a lot of patience is required. Eventually, you get there. So I think because of my background as a Christian, I rest on the assurance that God's word will definitely come to pass. So I know where I'm going. The journey might not be in one year or two years. Same for you. It might not be one year or two years. It might not be five years. It might not be 10 years. It could take longer. But just be sure of where you're going. And for every moment that you're given, that moment is what determines your next one, where you're going next. So what you do with this moment right now is all that matters. Focus on today. Give today your best. And tomorrow will be sure. Love the personal development. Love it, love it, love it. And for people who are looking to learn more about you and the work that you do, where can they find you? Across social media platforms at Chooks Osakwe. Chooks is spelled as C-H-U-X, then Osakwe, O-S-A-K-W-E, across all platforms. Chukuka, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for Lashadi for having me. Thank you to Chukuka Osakwe for an insightful conversation. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Chuks Osakwe. So that's C-H-U-X-O-S-A-K-W-E. You can also check out Camroll Pictures on Instagram and YouTube. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to take a few minutes to rate us on your favorite podcast platform. It makes a huge, huge huge difference in allowing the show to get discovered by more people thank you so much in advance this episode is produced edited and mixed by Fola Shade Anozie the show is powered by Nonconform Productions theme song for the show is by John Akinola you can also check us out on Instagram Facebook and Twitter at the SNC podcast thank you for listening